Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Well, welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and I'm the director of Student Ministry Matters. We're thrilled that you are here with us as we continue the conversation about student ministry. We're talking today with Sean Hammontree. He is the Director of Education and Small Groups at Antioch Baptist Church of Conway, Arkansas. Uh, But most recently, he had the opportunity to speak at the SOAR Online Conference. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to take a few minutes, kind of talk through some of the concepts that he shared. But in addition to that, uh, we want to give you a chance to get to know him a little bit better. And so, Sean, it is great to have you here with us. Dan, thank you so much, man. It's good to be with you guys. And man, just looking for our time together. Looking forward to this. Well, Sean, one of the the best ways is uh, to get to know somebody is to talk about how they met Jesus. And so would you share your salvation story? You bet. You know, I I moved to Arkansas uh, from Texas. I was from the Dallas-Fort Worth area and was really involved in our our, church. church down in Texas. My parents were, you know, they helped with the youth. We had a youth director down there, but our parents really helped out with the, with the youth. And so I really, I grew up in church. Um, um, I was baptized when I was a kid and uh, I was eight years old when I was baptized. And I know salvation happens for people at that age. It can happen, you know, at any age. Um, for me, um, I was baptized and uh, kind of knew all the information and stuff, but um, um, grew up and in, in still stayed in the church all those years. And then when I was 18, our little bitty church, we, we had moved to Arkansas and lived in Arkansas. And I went to a little church that I think a lot of people who may be listening are familiar with is a place called Bethlehem Baptist Church. It's just outside mm-hmm. of Greenbrier. Yeah. And uh, they asked me to be their youth director. And uh, it was a small church, small youth. And so I went in and started doing the youth. And during that time, God really started working on me, and uh, and and I, I remember it clearly. I remember going home one night, and I was by my bed, and I just knew that I needed to give my life to Christ. I knew that I had gone through the motions, but I had not really had a heart change. And so when I was 19 years old, uh, man, I asked Christ to forgive me and cleanse me, mm. and man, it just changed everything about me. It was funny. I, I went down front, and uh People thought, well, Sean surrendered to the ministry. But what Sean was really doing is letting people know, man, I've given my heart to Christ. And because I was really a pretty good kid, you know, I wasn't a yeah. perfect kid by any stretch of the imagination, but I was better than most. And I found myself comparing, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I found yeah, myself, I did, com- I yeah, I found myself comparing myself to other people and saying, well, you know, compared to them, I'm not doing this. But, but really, man, it was a humbling experience. I really realized what Jesus had done for me. He had died for me on the cross. He took my place and my only hope was him. And so, man, it's been awesome. Um, that was that was when I was 19. That's been a, a year or two or three now. And I want to tell you something, I've never gotten over it. It was just, it was awesome. And uh, so when I was 19, that's when 
um, Sean Hammetry had birth number two and, and became a, a, a child of God. So it was awesome. Good stuff. Yeah, I love hearing that. I'm Mainly because, you know, you always love hearing a salvation story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but knowing that you you didn't let pride stand in the way, as so many 19-year-old guys might do, and, and say, well, I took care of that before. No, you realized that you needed Jesus, and you took the steps towards that, and you heard Christ calling, and you answered that call. Well, during that time, uh, who was influencing you in, in your faith journey? Well, at that time, uh, our, our pastor was a guy named Randall Redden. And of course, Redden is a name that in, in, in the BMA circles is, is kind of a, or has been a well-known name. Yeah. And Randall Redden, he was a, he lived at Cabot, Arkansas. He was a, a bivocational pastor at our church. And he's the one that originally came to me and kind of saw something in me that said, Hey, Sean, uh, you, you need to be, what if you were doing, you know, that point youth ministry and, and directing the youth? And he really invested in me. He kind of, he would take me out to lunch. And, and I remember, I remember distinctly, uh, we were, the first time we went out to lunch, he started, you know, he prayed before our meal. And, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian family, but we didn't necessarily pray before meals in public. And I remember how thinking that was just the weirdest thing. And, uh, and then he just kind of took me under his wing. And then um, he, um, and, and then when I, you know, I was um, like I was saved. And when I did that, I mean, he just he took me under his wing. And so he had a really big influence in my life. And uh, to look back over that time, he just he just encouraged me in so many ways that just really just spoke to me. And that's how I wanted to be towards others. And so, you know, we never just sat down and went through the Bible. And it wasn't that discipleship per se, but he multiplied in my life by just being a Man, just being a, a, a great mentor who I knew loved the Lord, and uh, so he was big for me. Randall Redden, it was a a man who's had a big influence in my life in that area. What I love to hear about that is that main concept of is a bivocational pastor. Yeah, uh, there are men out there who are doing that that are serving in our churches that are having to work a forty hour job, and then they are preaching and you've got youth guys out there doing the same thing. They're working hard. They just love Jesus. They love people and they want to serve and they're making a huge impact for Christ. And, you know, one, one thing about him real quick was what was so cool is he lived on the other side of Cabot, Arkansas. So Cabot to Greenbrier, oh, wow. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a pretty good, you know, that's, that's a, an hour plus where he lived and he did that every Sunday morning. He did that Sunday night. He did that on Wednesday nights. And then there was other times throughout the week that he'd be up at the church. And I thought, man, he's he's doing his regular job, but also he's coming back and forth. He really showed a lot of dedication to a to a uh, to the church. I was I was so impressed by that. Mm. Well, a lot of life has transpired since that time, since you were nineteen. Amen. Amen. You know, you're married to Tanya. You have yep. three kids, Sarah, Meredith, and Reese. Yeah. Um, you've got two grandsons, Brooks oh, yeah. and Caden. Um, oh, yeah. I've seen pictures on Facebook. I know that oh, yeah. uh, you're eat up with that. And uh, <laughs> Oh, yes. I kind of, I'm looking forward to that day myself. I don't want it now, but right. I look forward to that so that I can be granddad. I mean, that that's exciting to me. It's um, awesome. You've been on staff at Antioch for 17 years 17. as a and now as the director of education and small groups, um, 
you know, that, like I said, there's a bunch of life in there. But what about your entry into ministry? If I remember correctly, it wasn't quite your traditional, I'm going to go to Central Baptist College, I'm going to go to uh, seminary, and then I'm going to be serving somewhere. What was no. your entry into ministry? You bet. Yeah, I was a teacher and I coached. I was a I was actually a teacher who happened to coach, not a coach who happened to teach. I loved, you know, I loved, I loved, I loved history. I loved bringing it to life. Um, it's one of my passions. I just love history. I'm a big World War II buff and and all those things. But uh, but yeah, I was um, I was teaching. I was uh, uh, coaching. And, um, and went to Antioch. We had been a part of a church for a long, long time. And, and something just told me, hey, it's time for you to go check out another church. And, and, you know, there wasn't any particular reason to leave the church I was in. Things were going well. But I, I just said, OK. I told my wife, I said, listen, I think we're supposed to go look around. And, you know, she loved the church we were in and I did, too. But we started looking around and ended up going to Antioch and just found some connections there. And before you know it, that's where we joined. And then I told Jason Altman, who's our lead pastor now, he was over the youth ministry. And I said, listen, um, don't ask me to do anything. I said, I've come from a church where I've volunteered and I've done everything. I said, let me sit for six months. And so for six months, man, I was doing my thing. And then just about six months to the day, he came up to me and said, the seventh and eighth grade boys Sunday school class teacher was, was leaving leaving the church. He was, he was a pastor and he was going off to minister at a church. And he said, would you be willing to fill in? I kind of rolled my eyes and I thought, well, okay. Lo and behold, I went in there. Next thing you know, I knew after three weeks of teaching those guys, this is where I'm supposed to be. That summer I went with Jason and, and the youth on a mission trip. We went to Mexico and had some great stuff. Came back in that next school year, which would have been 2000, the, the 2002, 2003 school year. And uh, he said, you think God's calling you into ministry? And I had felt that for a while, uh, but I just, I really didn't know if that's what I wanted to do or not. Lo and behold, I knew by, by May of 2003 that that's what I was supposed to be doing. And, uh, the rest is history. I mean, you know, I, I left the left the teaching gig and left the coaching gig, and man, have just hadn't looked back and loved every minute of it. I've just I've been so blessed to do what I've done. I loved I loved what I did, and I'm loving what I do now, and you know, did at the church. So, yeah, it was different, but that's when I came in. About I guess it would have been about what twenty? No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. At that time, I would have been in my thirties. I guess I was thirty about 32, I guess, when I went into the ministry. So yeah, I was definitely a little bit later than, than other guys. So that was kind of my story. Well, what I love is that there are all sorts of stories as people enter the ministry. And as our listeners are, are hearing this today, they may be able to identify with that, that they were serving somewhere else and they were teaching or they were being involved with students in some other capacity. And then God opened up that door and, God has used you in big ways. I got to tell you, from my own uh, my own vantage point, um, I love being around you. You bring enthusiasm, excitement, and energy uh, to whatever you're doing, and you are you bring encouragement. and And there are times that I've really needed that. And just seeing you, 
uh, whether it's been at SOAR when you were one of the MCs, uh, even watching your message from the SOAR uh, 2020 online, uh, just that that is encouraging and hopeful. Well, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, one other thing that I think we should probably touch on um, to get to know you a little bit better is you you do collect World War II memorabilia. You sent that to me. But the other thing is that you love to fish. Oh, yes. <laughs> my, my dad loved to fish. I never caught that same sort of bug that he had, but he... <laughs> morning to night um you know it was just he he could have done it all the time oh my god Um, yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) definitely y'all would have y'all would have talked for hours and hours but let me ask because i know that the guys listening um maybe the girls listening uh they love may love to fish too if they're in the conway area in central arkansas where's some of the best places to go and and to make that happen now don't give away your uh, secret (laughs) spot i understand but yeah uh, where's some good spots to go man i tell you what lake beaver fork is is a is a lake just outside of conway like as you're heading towards greenbrier wooster um, Lake Beaver Fork has really turned into a good lake. I, I'm more of a bass fisherman. I like to hit right. the bass. And I'm going to tell you something. Man, it was a lake that for the longest time, it just wasn't that good. But over the last decade, it has done really well. And so you can catch fish off the bank there. And oh, wow. so, yeah, Lake Beaver Fork is just uh, right up the highway from uh, Conway. It's a great spot. Um, that, that's the one that if you're in Conway, that's the closest one. Of course, there's Lake Conway. I honestly don't fish it as much. There's a lot of good brim and crappie that are caught, caught out of there. But, uh, but man, Lake Beaver Fork, uh, it's, it's a tough one to beat. It really is. Lake Brewer is another one that's just around from us. It's, it's closer what's closer kind of out towards Moralton. But, uh, but, man, Lake Beaver Fork, and if you want to come in, look me up. Call me. We can go fishing. I'd love to take you. <laughs> That's great, man. That's great. In a heartbeat. You bet. SOAR 2020 became different for us this year. It was scheduled to be, you know, like it always is. Big, loud, exciting, full of, of great speakers and great music and a lot of energy. And and so I think there was a lot of disappointment initially when we decided, hey, we're going to have to shift it. It's going to have to be online. But as I've watched youth groups post pictures and show that they've been watching it together, that they've spent some time around it, uh, man, it's been great to see the response. And so I'm very thankful for your involvement in in this. Uh, Sean had the opportunity to to speak on the subject of Lead Now, uh, talking about students influencing others. And so, Sean, if you take just a moment, kind of talk about your message in brief so our listeners could say, oh, okay, that's what he's talking about. You bet. Yeah, if I could just say it just in a, in a few, uh, in just a few short sentences, students can influence. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what, what group they run with. Every student is an influencer and they're influencing their, their peers for either the good or the bad. They're either influencing to lead them away from Christ or to lead them towards Christ. And so, man, I just want every youth guy and gal who's listening to know, man, every single student from the the loud, energetic, crazy one, like like would be me, the ADD guy, to, to the most quiet, reserved, introverted person in your youth group, please always remember those kids are an influencer 
for somebody and they have an influence in somebody's life. And so that's why it's so important for us uh, to, to just pile into them and, and, lead, uh, and, and lead them to be an influencer. So some of the things I mentioned is one of, you know, I really talked a lot about what I focused on was the Beatitudes before I talked about being salt and light in Matthew chapter five. Your students just, the, the thing I always tell my students and always told my students and, and hopefully conveyed a little bit in my session, in my breakout session at SOAR, was um, that we've got to learn to lean into God to respond the exact opposite of what we normally would respond. Uh, we live in a, we live in such a crazy world and I fight this just as any, anybody does of, of, of wanting to respond in a, in a way that's my natural man rather than the spiritual man. And so part of being an influencer for the Lord is allowing him to influence our reactions. And, uh, and that's so big. So um, that was kind of the, kind of the premise. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked about uh, salt and light. And, and so anyway, that was kind of the premise of, of what I was, what it was. I just want our, Again, I want the leaders to know. I've been at this so long. I'm kind of like you. We've been we've been down the road in student ministry. Please, please know you are you have a pack full of influencers, and some of the kids that you would never think are going to be the ultimate influencers for Christ in your group end up being that very thing. And so, uh, so anyway, that that was kind of the kind of the gist. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that last towards the last of what you said, I think about some students that I've had in my ministry. And if they decide they didn't want to go somewhere or if they didn't want to do something, the group didn't go. That's right. Now these, but the, the surprising thing that this wasn't the student that I thought mm-hmm. would sway the group or change the direction. Yeah. And so all of our students have that ability to influence someone and others and sometimes in big, big ways. And, and you know, and, and let me interject this. This is why it's important, I think, for, uh, for youth leaders li- listening in. When you have, let's say you're, you're over the high school ministry and you've got a group of juniors and especially seniors coming up, I always did something very special for them in the summer that kind of challenged them. Uh, right now, I'm working with our middle school ministry at Antioch while we're in between uh, middle school pastors, and I'm going to be working with my seventh graders who are going to be my eighth graders. Uh, we're going to be doing something later this summer that just challenges them. And what I would do is always get with that group and say, okay, you're now the, the big men on campus. And if, if you're engaged in worship, the, the others behind you are going to be engaged in worship. If you're listening, if you're leaning in and so, man, know that your seniors, your upperclassmen, those are your influencers. So invest in those big time. During your talk, you, you did mention salt and light mm-hmm. um, quite a bit. And I think many of our listeners are probably pretty comfortable with those concepts as a whole. Uh, but I think one of the things that I really appreciated uh, was, was your visuals. Yeah. Um, you, you had a headlamp on. <laughs> right. uh, is, is that a standard part of when you're speaking to groups of students uh, in your church, at other places? Do you use visuals quite a bit? I do. Um, I do vastly more than I don't. Um, I've always been such a visual learner that that I remember. I just remember, you know, the visuals, and and I love how Jesus taught so much in visuals. And so, so yeah, that really is. And it's funny, you know, years later after I've spoken at a, you know, a camp or a baccalaureate service, I'll have kids come up and say, hey, "I remember you had such and such." Yeah. And so I just know that they remember. I mean, one of the things. 
uh, you know, I talked about how, you know, salt is what, you know, is kind of more of a, uh, you don't really, you may not see it. You know, if you put it in, you know, in popcorn or stuff, you may or may not see the salt, but you know what's in there because whenever you taste it. And then the light, when I put the headlamp on, I, I didn't really mention this in the talk, but, um, you know, you couldn't miss that. I've got this, there's this, right. there's this crazy man looking at me and he's got this big lamp. And I think that's how, when we're, you know, to be light for the world, I believe we got to let our light shine. I want people to say, man, you know, that crazy man's got a, a light on him, but I wonder what that's all about. Whereas the salt is kind of more hidden. The, the light was just kind of when you can't help but notice it. And so um, uh, I think students, man, they need to be both. They need to be people who um, are, you know, not always loud and boisterous because that may not be their, their, how they're bent, but, but that they're, they're just, they're just a salt that they kind of, you know, you know, they're there, but then also being that light for people. Uh, I just love that part. So yes, answer your question. I guess that was a lot to say. I love visuals. <laughs> well, we're on a podcast, so you didn't have a visual that you could show. Touché. So you had to talk about Touché. it. That's right. <laughs> well, the three big ideas that you had from your talk um, were these concepts of genuinely know Jesus. If you want to influence others, uh, choose to daily stay close to him. And then this idea of rest fully on him to do his work in you or this mm -hmm. idea of abiding in him. Amen. And so maybe you could talk about those just a little bit more, how we can encourage our students in those specific areas. You how can we help our students um, genuinely know Jesus? I think it all, it comes down to, to examining their lives and see if there's fruit. Um, mm. I'm so big on examination. In fact, I do another visual with that, with our students about, things that float and things that don't float. And do you think this will float? And kind of old, yeah, for those old school guys, David Letterman kind of thing. But, 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 you know, I, I think it's so key that, that students examine their fruit. And I believe, you know, the Bible is very, very clear that um, we need to examine those things. And, and so I think one of the mistakes, and I hope youth pastors too, I've made this mistake is you're just going by someone's profession. I think, I think we need to go a little bit more than that. Uh, I think we need to, you know, let them. Uh, God knows where I'm saying this. Prove that they're of the faith. Prove by their lifestyle that there's growth. So I would just say, man, uh, please, 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 in, in your ministry, guys and gals, examine the fruit and and, and really, you know, uh, I, I just one thing we do at Antioch is a thing called Antioch 101, and this isn't just for students; this is for everybody. But when someone comes down front, rather than just kind of telling us they're, they're a Christian, they go through this little this little class, and it's all about salvation. It's all about what what uh, salvation is, what salvation isn't. And it's been neat because even in that, people have come out going, you know what? I need to know Jesus. And so um, so those that's that's one. So I would say, you know, genuinely make sure they're a follower of Jesus. Um, you know, and the one on on um, on choosing to stay close to Him. Um, I'm really big about about um, about challenging our students. Right now, I have not many uh, compared to our middle school group, but there's there's 17 of our middle school students right now who are going through a summer program with me, and it's called Growing in Christ. And they have 10 weeks, and it's pretty intense. They are doing some major uh, verse studies. They have to paraphrase those verses. They have to memorize verses. And then they have to, you know, uh, get that into me. It's kind of assignment every week. And I kind of do that unapologetically. I want them to know that 
I just want them to know God's word. I want them to, and I believe we've got to challenge them. So um, I would strongly suggest that that youth guys and gals have daily devotionals that they get out to their to their kids. Man, you just can't do enough of that. Just spending time in God's word. So that is that's that's the big one there. And over the years, I've I've led. There's been a bunch of students who've come to me and said, "Hey, can you help me find a devotional book?" And man, we've gone and sat in Lifeway when they still had a store. Um, now they're all online, but you know, uh, in those places and getting that in the word. So. Um, so anyway, that's that's the choosing a day to stay close to him and then to rest fully on him to do the work in them. I guess the only way I can say that is just modeling it. And, uh, you know, our pastor has a saying that I try to bring to others in our church and our youth groups and, and the people that I lead. I want to do everything if it's, as if it depended on me and knowing that it fully is dependent on God for anything that we do that, man, I want to give it my very best effort and I want to do it to the best of my ability but to realize that anything that's going to come of eternity is through Jesus working in me. And that doesn't happen unless I genuinely know him and if I'm in his word on a daily basis. So I'm, I've always been passionate about the kids being in the word daily. I just that's, that's been kind of my battle cry from, from year one in the ministry, I guess. One of the things that you you brought up was this idea of being an example before your students, letting them see you, um, whether you are staying in the Word daily, whether how you genuinely know Jesus, Mm -hmm. how you're abiding in Him. We know that parents are the big influencer in our students' lives. You bet. How have you influenced and worked with those parents to bring about that influence for Christ in in your students? Probably the, I've done a lot of things. Uh, some of them have been really bad and they didn't work out well. Others have been really good. Here's here's the one that I suggest the most that is pretty easy to do for youth guys and gals. I'll do a do a um, uh, a conference. I don't remember what I've called it. It's just been a uh, uh, a thing that I do in the gym, and we would do this every. We do this sometimes twice a year, but certainly at the first of the year. And I invite the parents. And in that, what I would do is some of the things is I would show them some resources that are great for them and their family, uh, devotionals. And I've got, if anybody ever wanted to send me these resources, they could get hold of me. Uh, we'll talk more about how to get hold of me later. But I've got a whole bunch of resources that would be something that I would get in the parents' hands, whether they had little kids or whether they had preteens or whether they had teenagers. And we're able to get into God's word. So I've got a bunch of those. And I would always show that to the parents. Um, I would tell them the goal of what our ministry was and what their goal should be. And then what was really good is I would always, this is the part where I think there was success because it really wasn't me doing this. This was, I would find some parents who now their kids have graduated high school. And man, they've some of them have been through some rough stuff with their kids and they would open up with some of that. Others, their kid was just, I mean, the little angel, and they showed how they did that. And so when I did parent interviews in front of the other parents, both some who would go, yeah, my kid's acting like a knucklehead. How do I handle that? Or my kid is an angel. How do I How do I encourage that? Man, I always got good feedback from that. So I just want to encourage um, uh, youth pastors who may be listening, man, have something for all the parents, whether you have you know, 10 parents that show up or you have a hundred or anywhere in between, you get those parents there and they don't feel like they're alone and you're getting them resources and letting them know, Hey, I'm here to help you. I'm not just here on Wednesdays. I'm not just here on Sundays. I'm here 24 seven. I'm here to help you raise your kid. And so 
man, and I tell you what, whether if you're young in the ministry, you can really gain a lot of uh, uh, credibility and momentum with your parents if you do something like this. And, and even in the questions and answers to even let them know, hey, I'm still learning. But but those and if again, if anybody wants to know how to do this, I can even give you a schedule of what I did and kind of the different things. I had some visual aids about marbles and and how many weeks you have with your kids from start to end. And so, so anyway, I would love to help out with anything like that because that is probably the most effective thing I ever did in student ministry is have those parent, um, I, I called it, I don't know, what a conference. I made it kind of a bigger name just, just to let the parents know, hey, this is a big deal. So anyway, that, that, that is something that I would highly recommend to anybody listening. And man, if I could help in that, I would, man, I would be honored and, and would love to help do that for you and tell you along. The powerful thing about that is when you do parent interviews, it's not it's not you standing up as the expert. It's right. other parents, exactly. and a lot of these guys, a lot of these girls are are young, on the younger side. Mm-hmm. If you're in student ministry, right. there's a good chance you are younger than Sean and I. <laughs> I believe there's probably Americans, <laughs> and your and your joints don't hurt near as bad as my knees and elbows right now. <laughs> and so, but with that age. You know, I remember there was church members that say, you don't really know until you have a, have a child. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some truth to that. That's right. You hate to admit it, but That's there's right. a lot of truth to that. Yeah. And so if you're able to interview a set of parents and mm-hmm. a student who are at the end of that road and they've got, they've had success, then, then boom. You oh, presented man. some truth. That man, that's yeah. that's great. I love I, that concept. Oh, it's so good, man. I mean, just I, I can't recommend it enough for you young guys. I think it would just be amazing what you, what what will happen through that. So you bet. You know, as we get close to the end here today, um, I just want to throw this big question out there: How to help our students influence others? How can we, as student pastors, as student ministry workers, how can we? make that happen. I know we can't make things happen, but how can we encourage that? How can we help our students influence the other people in their school, in the youth group, in other communities? And you've mentioned a few already, but do you have some other things that you could add? Something real simple is emailing, or excuse me, uh, texting your students at least every other day. And just to let them, just something as easy as a text saying, hey, uh, hey, Courtney, I'm thinking of you today. Man, I believe God's going to do great things through you. Hey, hey, Tim, uh, man, you are an influencer on that football team today at practice. Man, live for the glory of God. Do you know? I mean, just something so simple like that that just either daily or at least two two times a week, where you're communicating with your student and letting them know, hey, I believe in you. God believes in you. Man, I think that's going to have more impact then I think we could do a million Wednesday nights. If you're just daily, weekly, just influencing them and telling them, hey, you are an influencer today. Do it. I think, man, we miss the power of just, I mean, just a sentence in a text yeah. of what it's going to do for them. So, uh, man, it's, it's not rocket science. I just want to tell the guys, man, just send them a text, shoot them, send them, call them and just say, hey, you are making a difference. You are a difference maker and I'm praying for you. Man, that's going to go a long ways in those kids' lives. So I want to keep it simple and keep that right there. It's simple, but yet it's it's simple to say, but yet it's a little bit more. It takes discipline to do it, but you make that a, a priority. Woo, it can be some big stuff, baby. 
good stuff. Well, Sean, you have shared quite a few things. So, and you've actually mentioned already, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to share some contact information, how they could get a hold of you, whether they would like for you to come, possibly even speak for their group at some point, if you're able, or if you have the opportunity just to share some of the resources that you've talked about. You bet. You, you can reach me at email at Sean, that's S-H-A-W-N, Sean at Antioch, A-N-T-I-O-C-H, Conway.com. Sean at Antioch, Conway.com. Man, if I can help in any way, I would be honored, honored, honored. I just, I'm here to, I'm here to tell you all the, the, the wrong ways to do it and the few right ways I did it. <laughs> but no, if they want to get hold of me, I would love, love to talk to them. Sure would. As somebody who's been in student ministry a few years, I've learned a lot of things the hard way. And I think that you described that as well. It is important for us to share these these things that we've learned. And man, I appreciate your willingness to, to be there for others. And so take advantage of that. Send Sean an email. Um, if you have a, a question for us at Student Ministry Matters, you can send us one, info at studentministrymatters.com or visit our website, uh, we would love to to get in touch with you, connect with you, and so that we could help you as we go forward working with students. Student ministry isn't an easy task. There are a lot of difficulties, but we want to help our students as they go forward. We want to help them as they seek to influence their schools, their families, their communities for Christ. Amen. Why do we do all of this? Because student ministry matters. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.